Hi, I'm Ruth Schwenk, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, I'm really excited for today's episode because, well, I love talking about family and God's will and way for family, and I love getting practical. Well, today we're combining both of those. We're continuing the conversation about family from last week. So if you haven't had a chance, be sure to head to last week's episode and listen. Um, So we're going to continue that conversation. In today's episode of Root Lake Faith, we are diving into the nuts and bolts of building a Christian home. Like, how do we actually do that? Like, is that even possible? Well, this is going to be good. So let's get started. As we start a new year and a new season, we're looking at faith in the family. And last week, we kind of laid this foundation and talked about what the Bible has to say about family. Today, we're going to take that a step further. We're going to get practical, which I absolutely love. We're going to talk about how to build a Christian home and family. Um, So again, we kicked this topic off last week. If you didn't have a chance, be sure you go listen to that episode. Um, We probably, I think you brought up your hair in that, like you always, well, your lack of. You know, the one thing I didn't bring up though, I I did bring up my hair or my desire for hair, my my envy of Bob (laughs) Ross's hair, but I didn't bring up that my birthday's in February. Oh no. I know I mentioned that in maybe both of the Christmas episodes. And so I just feel like now that we're only, I think it's like two weeks away. Honey. And the, so I listener... just want to make mention of that. February 27th is my birthday. I'll be 46 this year. Oh, and honey, just, you're not supposed to tell people how not, old you are. I, I, listen, I am secure in my identity in Christ. <laughs> I am a child of God. He loves me and accepts me. Okay. I can say how old I am. I, okay. But I don't think, okay, this is the thing. This is what you guys need to know, that Pat literally every year all for like two months leading up to his birthday, every message he preaches on a Sunday morning, he has to remind people that it's his birthday. So apparently... My spiritual gift is receiving. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I just, I want to give people an opportunity. I don't want to steal somebody's joy of giving. I'm not sure that our listeners are going to send you a gift, honey. I'm sorry. I can can at least make the request. That's between them and the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyways, moving on. Sorry about that. Oh my goodness. Now I don't even know where I was going with this, but oh yeah, we're talking about faith in the family and practically what that looks like. I did want to mention that we brought up Bob Ross last week, so you want to listen right. to that episode. And that in episode one, we really did paint that big picture of God's heart for the family, his vision for the family, and just what it is that we're chasing after. So mm-hmm. when we talk about these practical things today, it's really in the context of of what God's vision and heart for the family really is and how we are called to pass on faith to the next generation. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we're all being honest, it's a little uh, difficult to make that transition from when you're married to being married with kids. It's like a whiplash. Yeah. That's the word I was going to use. My word. (sighs) We're one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, why is it so hard? I don't know. Well, I remember one of the, you're exactly right. I mean, I think we were married for maybe four, almost five years before we had Tyler. We have four kids. And so Tyler now um, is in college. And it is, it's a tough transition going from married to married with kids. Mm-hmm. And I think early on in our marriage, you know, we made all sorts, and we still do, made all sorts of mistakes. But, um, 
I remember one of the mistakes we made is we did what every financial advisor tells you not to do. We we Honey, bought a car and then we leased a car. The, don't tell people these things. That's right. Well, you know, and I remember <laughs> I remember leasing uh, a red Jetta. Oh, and, it was amazing. I mean, it was great. I, I could tell I you the salesman's it. name still uh, at that dealer in Chicago, oh, and it was a terrible mistake financially. We should have never well, done that. Well, because it was a uh, lease. It was a lease. You're not what, supposed to do that well, when you first get married. And I don't think Dave Ramsey's listening in, but if he yeah, is, okay. Um, anyway, so we we made that mistake, and I remember we drove that car for several years, and then we started having kids. Yeah, and you there can't was have that a little red moment. Jetta no, kids. there was like a there was like this this reckoning that like I'm going to have to get rid of this Jetta, and we are destined for a minivan. And so I still, I mean, clear <laughs> as day, can remember. The day we sold the Jetta. Which, yeah, can I just say here, it worked out okay. We actually sold it and it was okay because we was ended, up, we ended up owning it after. I feel like I have to complete that story. <laughs> Anyways, okay, back to moving on to a minivan. I, I remember the day that we sold the Jetta and I could tell you what where we were at in the church parking lot when we met the individual who bought that and then when we bought the, the minivan. And there was this, tra- we went from, you know, it, it, was a, it was a 1999, which that sounds really old, but it was new at the time. A 1999 <laughs> Red Jetta. We transitioned from that into a, talk about a it. Ford Aerostar, which um, had so much rust on it that you oh. felt like when you went through a puddle, you needed to lift your legs I up really you felt, felt like you might un- get wet. And I felt unsafe. Let's just be <laughs> honest. I mean, anyways. But anyways, that was, I just remember that transition of going, oh, wow, like we really are moving from married to married with children and there was this new world we were stepping into and and of course the you know the minivan was just one part of that and you um yeah you you realize you are now in a whole new world mm-hmm. trying to figure out what it meant to be married what it meant to be a parent and just how challenging that is and it's one of the reasons why years later we would write the book for better for kids about love your spouse with kids in the house because it's a challenge to have a god honoring marriage and to be good and godly parents and for for those to coexist. And so it, it's a real challenge. And that's really what we want to talk about today is now as a as a married couple that's building a family, or maybe you have kids that are are grown, maybe they're teenagers or they're in college. I mean, hopefully what we talk about today can apply mm-hmm. to all sorts of different um, you know, circumstances and dynamics. As we said in episode one, you know, we understand that there, there are probably people listening that, that maybe they're in a situation where maybe they're a single parent, uh, maybe they're in a blended family, maybe they're a grandparent trying to help raise their mm-hmm. grandkids. And mm-hmm. so no matter what your situation is, we just think God can can use you and desires to use the family. And so we want to talk about some very simple, practical ways for a family, no matter what the dynamic, no matter what the circumstance um, you know, can pass on faith to that next generation and, and shape a child's soul and ultimately send that child out into the world to be a follower of Jesus who's walking with God, loves God, and is serving God. Yeah, and I think I should say here, though, that like I had always wanted to be a mom, and I know not everybody identifies with that, but like I went into motherhood and we went into parenthood very excited. So I don't want to downplay the beauty and the incredible gift that being a parent is, Um that doesn't negate the fact that it's really hard. Right. Yep. And so I think we can hold both of those Absolutely. I'm realities. Glad, glad you brought that up because I feel like every time we teach on the family, whether it's in, in a church or, you know, in this setting or we've, I mean, I, I, lo- I always say I love being a dad. Like mm. it is, it is um, an absolute joy and I just love being a parent. I, there's, there's so much about it that I love. And yet with anything that we do that we love, there are challenges. And right. so... Um, I want to just say really quickly too that 
I think we want to try to avoid, I think sometimes when, when people talk about parenting or Christian parenting, there's these two extremes that, that kind of come to the surface that we just want to be careful of. And maybe I'll just state them very simply. But the two extremes, I mean, number one is that it's all up to God. And so we just have this idea that, oh, you know what, God, it's by God's grace that my child's going to turn out. And so I just, who cares what I do? Right. Um, and obviously it is God's grace that ultimately it's the same grace that saved us is the same grace that will save our kids someday. But that doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility. And so there is that one extreme where a parent might say, oh, this is all God's work. And so I, it doesn't care what, it doesn't matter what kind of parent I am. Mm-hmm. And so it's God's work. And then the other extreme is that it's all up to me. Right. And I've got to be the perfect parent. I've got to do everything right. And, and that's an unhealthy extreme. And so I always think of the analogy in the Old Testament where God, he says to the Israelites, um, I'm going to give you the promised land. But then he also says to them, go take it. And so there's sort of that, mm-hmm. that you know, uh, that tension there. On the one hand, um, it is God's grace that uh, was to give the Israelites the promised land, but yet they also had a responsibility to be obedient and, and to go into the promised land. I think you can apply that when you're thinking about parenting, that on the one hand, it is God's grace that's at work in us and through us, and the Holy Spirit is at work in our kids' lives, and, and we want to keep praying for our kids and doing everything we can to see, you know, God bring them to saving faith in, in Jesus but at the same time, we have this real responsibility to walk in faithfulness and obedience and to live out these biblical principles and commands. Yeah. And so I just want to state that up front as we, as we begin talking about some practical things related to building a Christian home, building a Christian family. Mm, that's really good. I, I, I love approaching this in a balanced manner, and I think that's the overall point. Um, so, okay, let's get going here on just some of the challenges that we can see as parents— um, and families, what are those? Let's talk about the unique challenges that can arise when we're trying to build a Christian home. Because I think if we are re- aware of them, we can be proactive versus being reactive. And so that's why it's important to talk about this. Yeah, I think, you know, as we were talking about in episode one, there are just so many challenges to um, to the family today and the culture that we're living in. I mean, as we looked at Genesis chapter one in our episode last week, you know, verses 27 and 28, we see God's vision for the family. He says to a man and a woman that they are to become one flesh and to build a family and that family is to be this, this bedrock, this foundation for a healthy culture for, um, you know, the, the family's meant to shape mm. civilization. So when yeah. the family is strong, a society is strong. And when a family is weak and falling apart, then that society is going to fall apart. And we're seeing that in our own day. I mean, I'm not a doomsday prophet. Um, but but we're just seeing the breakdown of the family in our culture. We're seeing the breakdown of our, our culture itself and that's, society. Yeah. Um, that's why this matters. Chaos and darkness, yeah. and so it yeah. matters with yeah. the kind of family we're building, and um, and so it's so important. But there are so many, um, I think, unique challenges that we're facing uh, in our day. I think it's important to remember that um, the very first uh, social unit, if you will that the enemy uh, goes after is the family. So you just mm. go back to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and then Genesis 3, which is the story of Adam and Eve's fall, their disobedience, their stepping out of relationship with God. You know, Satan attacked the family. He attacked a marriage. He attacked a family. And throughout the ages, um, Satan's attack on the family and on marriage has looked different. Um, but I think it's just worth noting that marriage and family takes place in the context of a battle. Mm. And we're facing a unique battle in our culture today. And so I think, you know, you see all sorts of things that are threats to our culture. I mean, we live in a very secular culture that has dismissed God, that wants nothing to do with God, that has rejected, um, you know, uh, the scripture as God's word. We're living in a culture that is incredibly 
addicted to busyness and there's just so many different activities and things that, that can tear a family apart. We were talking recently about social media, the uniqueness of that and the influence that comes when mm-hmm. um, you have kids in front of a screen, whether that's YouTube or TV or Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, whatever it is. I mean, we, we are, are uh, oftentimes allowing our kids to be exposed to things that are so unique and can be so detrimental to the formation of their soul, becoming more and more like Christ. And in our book, we, we talk about this idea of being child-centered, me-centered, and God-centered. Mm-hmm. And I think those are some some unique challenges that a marriage and family face as well. Yeah, well, I think just starting with being child-centered, um, that's something that we definitely can struggle with. And, and I wanted to read from our book a few problems that you can see arising. Um, so if this, any of this resonates with you, when, when we become child centered in our marriage and things, you know, revolve around our kids, um, in particular, these are some of the problems that we can see arise. Um, a couple's needs are neglected. Intimacy dwindles, romance cools, conflicts go unresolved. Meaningful communication becomes infrequent or non-existent. Ooh, that can... That's that's getting real. We've there. never struggled with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's for other people. Like, when did we talk last? No, <laughs> this is when we talk, you know, exactly. on the podcast. No, that's just why kidding. I love to record these, honey. <laughs> it's time with you. Anyways. <laughs> oh, attention and affection shift from spouse to child. Financial decisions are dominated by the child's needs and wants. I would say also here, um, even like time and commitments can just revolve around everything that your child is doing. So, you know, some of those are, I think, warning signs of a child-centered marriage. Now, again, I feel like we cannot, we have to state though, that there's a balance here. Of course. I mean, your children, you do. You're a bad parent if you're not taking care of your kids. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for just making that very concise because that's the bottom line. Um, but those are some things that I would just, you know, keep in mind and be aware of. Yeah, I think those are those are so good, and I you know I think again, like you said, those are warning signs that that maybe um, a husband and a wife have become overly focused uh, to the detriment of their you know they become overly focused on their child's needs and they're neglecting their own right. And so that's when a marriage their their desire to be a good parent now is affecting their their desire and pursuit of having a good marriage. And so you, you kind of see those warning signs of having a child-centered marriage or family. And then I think you know the really obvious one is a me-centered marriage or family. And that's very simply, it's just when we're at the center, mm. um, our desires, our wants, our comfort. Um, you know, dad comes home and in, instead of going out and playing ball with the boys or, or his daughter going for a walk with her, it's like he just wants to sit down and, and binge on Netflix yeah, uh, or watch, you know, just kind of checking out. Or, or sometimes I think... Uh, you know, guys can struggle with this where it's like, oh, it's easier for me to commit my time and energy mentally and emotionally at the office mm. or in the workplace, but I don't commit to those same things in my home with my wife or my kids. And so there's all sorts of examples of, of, of having a me-centered marriage and family, but I think it's when we become ultimately the center and it's our desires, our wishes, our comfort that really begin to rule or overrule everything else. And mm-hmm. again, what we're really after in our marriage and our family is having a, a Jesus-centered marriage and family where we're, we're sacrificial and servant lovers of one another. He's at the center, and we're rooting our lives in him, and it's about knowing him and walking with him and honoring him and living out his purposes. And in our parenting, we're, we're looking at trying to raise, intentionally raise kids that love the Lord, that want to walk with him and serve him and glorify him. 
in all that they do when they leave our homes someday. Mm-hmm. And so we want to reject that child-centered marriage and family. We certainly want to reject a me-centered marriage and family, but really pursue having a God-centered or Jesus-centered marriage and family. That's what God is after. That's the kind of home we want to be seeking to build. Yeah. And I should mention here that in our book, For Better or For Kids, we do have, like, if you're thinking, oh, I wonder if we're struggling with this, we have a couple of different assessments in there to kind of see where you're at with this. Um, I I also think I should say here that this should be a struggle. I mean, this is, parenting is hard work. Raising a family is hard work. And so this should be a struggle that does not go away. Well, I think, you know, we live in a culture that's addicted to easy. um, and, And we are addicted to easy in so many different ways. I mean, we just want the comfortable route, the easy route, the quick route. And there's just nothing easy or fast or quick or comfortable about uh, honoring God and walking with Him, um, whether that's in your church or whatever, but but certainly as we're talking today about honoring Him in your home, mm-hmm. your marriage, and your family. I mean, this is tough work. Right. It is rewarding. It's exciting. It's fun. It can be disheartening, discouraging, scary at the times. But you're exactly right. I mean, anything worth pursuing um, as we're following God is going to be difficult. And so we, we have to be faithful and persevere and trust God and, and keep walking with him as we seek to build a, a Christian home that's going to honor him and, and be a healthy environment for our kids. Yeah. And it reminds me of Bob Ross. <laughs> oh, my God. What is it with Bob Ross? You really two, two episodes in a row now. <laughs> but I had because, no idea you were. Well, I'm just talking about so I'm talking about the struggle, <laughs> you know, and I, I just want people. I don't want our listeners to feel discouraged when the struggle is real because it is and you know as you're you you start what I talked about in the last episode if you haven't listened to that one is that the you know Bob I used to watch Bob Ross when I was little do these paintings on PBS and he starts with this blank canvas and he's slowly painting this this beautiful picture that you have no idea it just all of a sudden starts to come to life and he's he's doing this brush stroke after brush stroke and then all of a sudden you see like a tree you know in the picture and you're like oh Like it's beautiful. It's coming to life. And I feel like in parenting, we're taking these little steps and we're like, is this even making a difference? You know what we're doing here, raising these. And then all of a sudden you see the the tree, you know, like all of a sudden, like it actually, you know, what you were telling your child, actually, there's a light bulb moment yeah, and you see them actually start to do that on their own and follow Jesus on their own. And so it, but it's a struggle and it takes hard work and it's day after day. And so I just want to say that because I don't, I know how easy it can be to get discouraged. I feel like you take three steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's such a, I mean, it's the ultimate act of surrender, you know, when you're thinking about your, your own kids. And I I know I thought about that often, you know, when I was diagnosed where I was like, oh no, like I, I want to be around to continue leading my kids and teaching them and Mm -hmm. being there at different life events. And that was a challenge for me to go, but God, you love my kids more than I do. Right. And they're yours. You, you brought them into the world and, and you knit them together and in your womb and you know, he brought them into the world um, and, and he loves them. He's taking care of them. And whether I'm here or not, God is going to be pursuing them and loving them and drawing them to himself. And so that was such an act of surrender for me. And mm-hmm. I think that's such, again, going back to what we talked about before, that you know, God doesn't call us to be perfect parents. He calls us to be faithful parents. Right. And it's his grace that is working through us. And it really does, it can be discouraging and scary at times because there are those moments where you're like you were saying, oh, like, 
you're doing family devotions or memorizing scripture and you can just tell like nobody's home. They're thinking about something else. Or they ask about, yeah. you know, their new basketball, if you have a pump to right. blow it up or something. <laughs> I mean, you're like, uh. Yeah, there's no revival happening. Nobody's speaking in tongues at, you know, at the family, uh, you know, dinner and devotion. And so there, there's those moments, right? As a parent, we're like, oh, like are these seeds falling like, yeah. on fertile soil? And it can be scary and discouraging at times. And so as rewarding as parenting is, it can be also um, you know, scary and hard mm-hmm. at times, but we have to continue persevering, being faithful, being obedient, and ultimately trusting, um, you know, God's work in the process. Yeah, that's so good. So I, I wanted to recognize that up front before we talk about these practical ways, um, because you know me, I love the practical. Like, how can uh, we as parents, how can we actually build a Christian home and family? Are there practical, simple things that we can do now, starting today, to really intentionally build our Christian home and our Christian family? Yeah, I would say one of the first places to start, and again, this is not an exhaustive list, But I think one of the first places to start is to see your home as sacred space. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember years ago, and I think our kids were pretty young, uh, reading reading a book. um, And the the author talked about how after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the Jewish people began to refer to their home as a little temple. Uh, Mikdash Mayot is is how they would Mm. say it in Hebrew. And I love that, um, that imagery that, that if we saw our home as like a little temple, or maybe if you come from a Catholic background, you know, the, the catechism of the Catholic Church describes the home or the family as a domestic church. I love that language too, because again, it reminds us that the home and the family is meant to be like this, this temple, this sacred space that's carved out from, from everything else that's out of the ordinary, it's different. And so I just, I think, you know, starting there and going, you know what? God loves the family. He desires to use our family to pass on faith, to shape our children. And so really beginning to view your home as not just a place where you live and sleep and work and play, but it's there's something sacred about it. Mm-hmm. it it's like a little temple where you and I as moms and dads are called to be like pastors or priests to our kids. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so we start there and then what do we do though? You know, like what practically, what does that look like practically? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would add to that, that, that not only should we see our home as, as a little temple, as a Mikdash Mayot, but again, what we've talked about before is, um, is then carrying into that home, God's vision hmm. for the family. And it goes back to, to Genesis 1, 27 through 28 or Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. And just having that vision that, that God really does want us as a family to intentionally, and that's that's an important word, to intentionally yeah. pass on faith, to, to teach our kids, to grow our kids, to nurture our kids in God's word and in God's ways, um, to form virtue in them, to build character in them, so that when they leave our home, they, by God's grace, are walking with the Lord and are serving him and desire to be used by him in the world. And so I think those are two places to start, to have a vision for your home that is sacred space, it's a little temple, but also beginning to, to recognize that God has called us in a very intentional way to live out his vision for the family. And I think when you have that vision, that begins to then shape your behavior, mm-hmm. your practices, or your rhythms. And I think that would be the third thing then is to then begin establishing uh, godly rhythms that are consistent with that that vision. Yeah, and, and this is the part that I really love because I think you know, it's, it's one thing to talk about all this. It's another thing to say, okay, but 
what do you really mean and how do I do that? And so for us, what's been really helpful, um, when our kids were little, we we have we had a family mission and values and um I know that seems to some like how do I do that well I'm so excited because I literally just remembered in the middle of you talking that we have a free download that walks you through creating a family mission statement and values and so um, I'll make sure that we put that in the show notes because it's extremely helpful I understand it's extremely helpful to see what other people do and how they do it but I will say here what was really amazing about having that mission statement and values is that we knew what was important to us because we had stated it. We were intentional. We were um, proactive, like I've said before, instead of being reactive. And so when our kids started to get a little bit older and there were certain things they wanted to be involved in or be a part of, you know, it's like constant, right? Um, We were able to kind of look back at that family mission statement and values and see if it really fit into, you know, if one of our values was eating dinner around the table together, uh, not every night, but as much as we could, well, we probably weren't going to be able to be involved in something that would take us away from the house every single night of the week during dinner time. That's just a, a a small example. So anyways, I ha- there, we have a free download that I think will help you get started with this. I think when we talk about establishing rhythms, I mean, it's those kinds of, of family rhythms that you that you create. Um, you're talking about, you know, just the importance of, of eating together, which is something our culture doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't really do anymore um, as much. And, and so I think those kinds of things, but, but also just really practically, I mean, I think when our kids were young, we just develop the habit of doing family devotions yes. um, on a regular basis, not every night, but um, you know, reading through a children's Bible together. And as they got older, encouraging our kids, you know, buying them a, 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 a devotional. And so our kids now as they're teenagers or in college, um, you know, just creating that habit or helping them cultivate that habit of doing, you know, their God time each day, giving them resources that, that sort of speak to each child's needs or struggles. Mm. Um, we memorize scripture together as a family. We've done that consistently over the years and sometimes inconsistently. Um, we've encouraged our family in different ways to serve within the local church. And so just being involved as a family, those kinds of rhythms, those kinds of behaviors are are shaping our heart and Mm -hmm. our affections. Yeah. And again, none of this looks perfect because I think sometimes we get discouraged. Like we, we think, oh, we did family devotions tonight and then we don't do it for a couple nights. And then like, what's the point? We can't, we can't ever be consistent with this, but I think it's just, you keep doing it. If you miss a day, you do it the next day. And like when they were really little, it was so easy to just grab a little children's Bible and read a story every night before they went to sleep. Um, And Pat mentioned that, you know, we get now that they're older, we buy them a devotional. So every Christmas, that's kind of a tradition that we do. We buy them a a devotional for the year ahead, along with a journal. And we kind of talk through then what the year ahead looks like and some of their goals. And then it's just, I feel like, it's so simple. It's not even, you know. I think it's it's really important for us too to remember as we're talking about this, as we're talking about you know passing on God's word and, and teaching and nurturing and establishing rhythms like serving or eating together. That, that you know, years ago um, I heard a pastor use an analogy of of a bowl with Cheerios, and he talked about how if you give a toddler 
a bowl of Cheerios. The bowl of Cheerios ends up all over the floor, uh, right. which is so true. Yeah. You just think about when our kids. But but you talked about how if you if you give a toddler you know one Cheerio at a time, the, the likelihood of that Cheerio ending up in the toddler's mouth is far greater. Right. And so when I think when you think about your kids um, at a young age, you're just trying to give them Cheerio after Cheerio. You're mm-hmm. not trying to give them the whole bowl. But with each God time, you're just trying to give them another Cheerio. As you memorize the scripture, you're giving them another Cheerio. And I think especially when kids are young, they're, they're very concrete in their understanding, right. I mean, developmentally. And so you're you're just trying to fill a child's heart and mind with the truth of God's word because you mm. know they're going to be bombarded with all sorts of um, false uh, you know, ideas and beliefs from their culture. Mm-hmm. And then as kids, you know, roughly around the age of, of 10 and on up, they begin to become more abstract, which just means that they're able to reason more. And they begin to ask questions, well, how do I know this is true? And is this true? And you're like, don't ask yeah, me yeah, this. <laughs> Go ask your pastor. Right. Wait a minute, I am. Um, right. And so I think it's really important as we're, as we're thinking about teaching our kids God's word um, as they grow older. I mean, just building into those devotions and that God time and conversations on the way to a practice mm-hmm. and apologetic for why we believe what we believe. I think that's becoming increasingly important in the culture that we're living in. It's not enough just to teach our kids what we believe. As they get older, we have to help them understand why we believe mm. what we believe and help them have an apologetic for why we believe um, that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Yeah. And so I would just add that. And there's some great resources that are available today by, by different authors that help teens uh, wrestle through questions of faith. And we just look at the statistics of of um, you know Christian students that are growing up and going off to college, and they're being destroyed in their faith. And mm-hmm. these are great Christian kids who love the Lord maybe in high school, but they're walking away from their faith. And so it's such a challenge, I think, for us as parents to remember it's not enough for us just to teach them. We have to teach them why we believe what we believe. Yeah, we'll put, And that's really important as, as kids get older, especially. Yeah, and I can hear the, because this would be me, well, what should I, you Help. know, what resources, right, because I can't <laughs> teach them that. Um, so we'll make sure that we put a link to some great resources yeah. in our show notes. Absolutely. And I would add just a couple more, um, you know, train, don't punish. You know, I think as we think about building a Christian home and, and Christian family, like it's so easy as a parent because you're tired and you're sleep deprived. Like your whole focus sometimes can be on on punishing for wrongdoing. Mm. And yet the scriptures um, give us the model of not so much punishing, but but training or correcting. And that's very different. Yeah. And so as we think about discipling our kids and forming faith in our kids, we want to have the perspective that, that it's much more about training and correcting um, more so than it is just about punishing wrongdoing. I think Hebrews chapter 12 is a great example of that. If you, you want to read Yeah, how that, come that you passage. asked me to read it? Well, you have better eyesight than I do. I'm getting old, honey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, wa- I just wanted you to share why you asked me to read it. Probably because you. It's. I know that you need a large print. Or is this a large print? I think print? that might be a large print. Oh, I, no. I, I know. Now that I'm, that I'm, Maybe they I'm make aged, an... I, I'm realizing why my parents loved large print Bibles. I think I'm you like, might need... Extra large, extra large print. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, so Hebrews chapter 12 verses seven through 11 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? 
They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. Oh, this is the best part. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I, we could spend a whole episode yeah. on this theme, and maybe maybe we will at some point. Not that we're again experts on on discipline, um, but I, I we are living in a culture right now where parents are afraid to discipline their kids. Mm. They're, they're afraid to to correct them. Um, where a lot of times kids are running the show. <laughs> we've mm. we've seen that in a variety of ways, and I, so I think it's so important for us to remember as, as a Christian mom or dad that God has placed us in a position of authority and the scriptures call children to, to obey their parents. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that, that a parent is like this, this dictator that Mm-mm. is cruel and harsh. It's Mm-mm. not that at all. Um, but it is a parent that, that understands their unique role as that they have a, a, a spiritual authority to raise kids, to, to guide them, mm-hmm. to teach them and to correct them or train them. And this is really what Hebrews chapter 12 was talking about. That, that discipline is hard. When you love your child, it's difficult sometimes yeah. to discipline them, to correct them. But we ought to be thinking much more along the lines of a parent that is that is training yes. and, and correcting and lovingly guiding and not just dishing out punishment and um, penalizing for bad behavior. I don't know if you remember, honey, but you wrote a whole article because I know discipline, when we even bring this up, you might be thinking or as you're listening, like, well, what do they mean and how, what do they really do? And you wrote a whole article on um, discipline. It's on for the family. You, do you remember that? I do, yeah, and okay. I think of, of all the blog posts that I've ever written, that one um, probably received the most. Yeah, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, commentary. I'll call it that. Oh no, I think people <laughs> were really. It was a relief, and people were all they were very excited about. It. I'm. We'll make sure that we put the link in yeah. the show notes um, for the listeners. But I think lastly, I mean, again, we could go on with yeah. that, um, just the importance of really training coach, because again, you're preparing your son or your daughter for success in life, to live the mm-hmm. flourishing life, the abundant life that God has called them into, that he's created them to experience. And so a parent that doesn't discipline is really a parent that's not loving their child. Right. And so we want to be a parent that is serious about discipline, but but seeing it not so much as punishment, but more so as as training uh, so that that child learns from those mistakes, learns from that sinful behavior, and they are growing in godliness so that they're experiencing the good life that God has mm-hmm. for them. And lastly, this is by far the most important. I wrote my entire dissertation on faith in the family. Mm. And by by and large, the number one contributor to a child growing up and leaving a home and walking with Jesus is the role of a parent, whether or not they themselves have a vibrant mm. um, walk with Jesus. And so that would be the last thing. If we want to build a Christian home, it really requires you and I as parents, uh, as a grandparent, as a, uh, a mom, whatever your situation is, walking with the Lord and living out that faith, mm-hmm. that vibrant faith in front of your kids or your grandkids. That is the number one reason with God's help, of course, that kids grow up to follow Jesus when they leave our homes. Yeah, they're watching us. And I think that, again, it never looks perfect. It looks real, you know, and I think that that's really, really important to remember. Well, you guys, we could literally talk about this all day. We have so much that we could talk about. And I, I just really hope 
that this has been helpful to you. I know we have shared a lot of different resources. Um, we will make sure that all of those resources and even that article I mentioned that that's all listed in the show notes for you. Um, you know, this this really is a paradigm shift. I think this isn't what our culture talks about with family, and I think it's really really important because we are we need to fight for the family. Um, he has a God has a purpose for our families, and we cannot forget that. Um, So let's keep talking about this. We can be different. We can be different than the culture. We can fight for the family. Um, And we can raise kids who love God and are a light to the world. And if you're ready right now, you're like, okay, let's do this. Um, If you want to start leading your family towards a deeper faith, I I think I mentioned this last week. We have a family devotional that we, that is, it's a great place to start. We wrote this devotional called Faith Forward. I'm going to go ahead and just read you the back cover copy of the devotional. Raise faith-filled kids who know, love, and live for God. You've passed down to your kids your last name, your love, and maybe even your habits, but have you passed down the most important thing, your faith? Somewhere between diapers and sippy cups, piano lessons and soccer practice, dating and college searches, even the most well-intentioned family can lose sight of what matters most. As parents of four, Patrick and Ruth Schwank, well, that's us, honey, (laughs) understand the challenges and the joys of raising faith-filled kids. In Faith Forward Family Devotional, Patrick and Ruth help you pass on your faith with 100 devotions for families that you can do together at your own pace. Each devotion includes a Bible passage from Genesis to Revelation, teaching you can read aloud that's applicable for kids of any age, a key idea to, t- to learn and remember about God, relatable questions to spark family discussion, and a guided prayer to pray together as a family. Faith Forward Family Devotional will help you grow closer to your kids as they cr- grow closer to God. Whatever season of parenting you are in, journey- journeying through the entire Bible and sharing this devotional time together will help your children nourish a faith that lasts a lifetime. So again, I'll be sure to put all of those links in the show notes, to especially to Faith Forward here, but also to every other resource we mentioned. Um, you can find those show notes at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcasts. So also, you guys, be sure that you follow us over on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwank and at Ruth Schwank. We really want to get to know you, and that's where you can connect with us. And as if we don't say it enough already, we are thrilled you are joining us. We welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. Would you do us a big favor if you have a minute? We'd be so grateful if you could leave a review or rating and share this podcast with your friends. It just takes a second. It is a huge help to us as we spread the word about Root Like Faith. We're so grateful for you. We're grateful for your help and getting the word out. All right, friend. Well, we will chat soon. I hope you have a great week.